Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome to Growing in Grace. Uh, my name is Victor Morrison. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Columbus, Texas. So glad you joined us. Hey, I wonder, what is your favorite song? Do you have a favorite song? Do you like it because of the, the melody? Do you like the beat? Do you like the words? There was a, a man named C.S. Lewis who said one time of Psalm 19, he said, and I quote, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalms and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. How about that? I mean, this man was really impressed with Psalm 19. And I'm sure that he was looking at the uh, beautiful words that are found in verses one through six, where the Lord reminds us that every day through creation, through his works, he's speaking. But then also, as you go from verses seven through 10, you see once again that he clarifies and sharpens what he wants us to know through his word. And so, yes, we can learn a lot about God through his works, through creation. But then verses seven through 10, we can learn even more about the Lord. He kind of fine tunes everything through the word of the Lord, through the Bible. But there's another part of this psalm that can be overlooked, and it's verses 11 through 14. I think it's also beautiful. And what it tells us is that the scriptures help us by warning us of sin. It helps us detect if there is sin in our lives. You know, our flesh is deceitful and can minimize sin if it is present, but his word is truthful and will maximize sin if it is present. It'll bring it up to the surface. So I wanted to uh, look at these last few verses that are found in Psalm 19, verses 11 through 14. And the reason is, you know, in the New Testament, we're exhorted to examine ourselves, to test ourselves. And so we ought to always be examining ourselves and testing ourselves. You know, uh, that's in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. But in Romans 3, 20, it says, through the law comes knowledge of sin. Of course, through the scriptures, there are many wonderful things we learn. But another thing that the scriptures will do, they will show us if there is sin in our lives. Sometimes we don't want to know if there is sin in our lives, but it's a good thing. This is actually a healthy thing, a positive thing that God would say, hey, I want you to work on this, work on that. You know, scriptures are actually compared to a light, a light on a dark trail. Psalm 119 and verse 105. But then in the New Testament, in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, the scriptures are also compared to a mirror. And the mirror is going to show us the way things are. And so I want us to look into God's word and see 
What will the Bible do in terms of helping us to stay pure and to stay clean? And so I think these verses are really good. So I call this an inspection for sin through the inspiration of the scriptures. So how is the word of God going to help us overcome in the struggle with sin and the flesh? So let me read through the passage, and then I want to share with you five observations from these verses. Psalm 19, verse 11, begins this way. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there's great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Oh man, I think you're going to really enjoy digging in to this brief passage that's found for us right here. So let's look at it together. You know, it's interesting how one part of this passage talks about great reward and the other one says great transgression. Which one would you like? I want the great reward. I don't want the great transgression to happen into my life. So why don't we look at this passage together? First, let's look at verse 11. I think verse 11 tells us one thing that happens through our time in the Bible is that there are conviction of the dangers of sin. Conviction of the dangers of sin. That's what happens when we're in the Word. Listen to what it says once again. Moreover, by them, the them there refers back to verses 7 through 10, where it's talking about the Bible, the Scriptures. Moreover, by the Scriptures is your servant warned. I don't know about your car that you're driving, but uh, I have one vehicle in our small little family fleet that we have that it warns me. If I start drifting into the other lane, or let's say I put my blinker on and I want to change lanes, if someone's already in that lane, you know what it does? It warns me. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to have an accident. And I think that's what God's Word, there's a surveillance that comes into our lives whenever we spend time in God's Word. And that's what he's trying to say. It's something like a driver attention alert technology or a driver assistant technology, whatever you refer to it as. But the surveillance of the Scriptures is definitely there when it warns us. But also notice that on our part, we must be diligent toward the Scriptures. So one is talking about his warning toward us. The other one is talking about our walk with him. You know, it goes on to say, moreover by them is your servant warned in keeping them, there is great reward. There it is. Hey, that's what I want. You know that word keeping the scriptures there? How can we keep the scriptures? That word in the Hebrew meant to be like a security guard and he's watching. He has this, you know, certain route that he takes and he watches over something. Well, that's the way we're supposed to be in terms of making sure that we do our part of actually reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures, thinking about them, or going and hearing them taught, and so forth. 
So I would say definitely one thing that the Bible does, it will convict us if we are going into a dangerous zone like I do sometimes whenever I don't see a car that's over there in the left-hand lane and I want to change lanes, my car will let me know, don't do that. Well, the scriptures will let us know also, don't do that. I think secondly, there's something that we may not realize that sin has lots of disguises. All sin is not alike, you know. So here's what he says in verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Who can discern his errors? You know, the word discern there means to comprehend. It means to understand. You know, in Hebrews 5.14, it talks about how, you know, those who are growing in maturity in terms of spiritual things, well, they are able to eat solid food from the Bible. It's like the the deeper principles in God's word are kind of compared to a metaphor of food, solid food. And it says in Hebrews 5.14, solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so if we didn't have the scriptures, we would not be able to distinguish between good and evil. And so I wanted to go through this uh, brief passage and just point out, I see five different types of sin that may be in our lives and we may be saying, well, I'm not doing that kind of sin, so I guess I'm okay. But why don't we look carefully and see what are these five types? Because sin, like I said, sometimes it can put on a disguise. Well, let's look at the first uh, type of sin that can be in our lives. I'm not saying it is, but it's possible. It says, who can discern his errors? You know, that word errors there is a term that referred to unintentional sins, sins that are actually done out of ignorance, not defiance. So it's kind of like in Proverbs 14.10, where it says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And so that's the idea. You didn't know. And so that is like an unintentional sin that you're doing innocently. You didn't know it was a sin. It's kind of like when you're uh, wanting to get in the passing lane. You know, there was a guy in the Old Testament during the days of David. David wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. It had been over in the land of the Philistines and he wanted to bring it back. So he thought, well, let's just put it on a flatbed trailer and let's just bring that, uh, that uh, Ark of the Covenant back. But what happened was they were supposed to carry the Ark of the Covenant with poles. That's why the Ark of the Covenant had rings where they would put the poles through there and men would carry it on their shoulders. But on this particular t- day, they had it on a trailer. Well, the ox stumbled and the the Ark of the Covenant almost flipped off the trailer. So a man named Yuza thought he was doing the right thing, and he reached up there to stop the Ark of the Covenant. But you know what happened? God struck him down right that moment. He didn't know he was doing something sinful, but he was. He was forgetting at that moment that God's holy, and you don't treat the things of God as though they were, you know, like anything else. So the first type would be, unintentional. Sins that we do out of ignorance or innocence, we just don't know. 
But there's a second type of sin that is referred to here. And it's it's the type that says, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Do you have anything hidden in your life? You know, sometimes we think, okay, if I just try to keep other people from finding out, then it should be okay. You know, an iceberg, we can only see about 10% of an iceberg because, you know, those that study icebergs in the oceans and so forth tell us, hey, there's 90% of that dude that's below the surface. Well, that's why David, he knew this. So David in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, he said to God, Lord, I need you to search me and to know my heart. I need need you to try me and know my thoughts. I don't want to go in the way of the wicked. I want to go in the way everlasting. Did you know that they have a thing called a Garmin fish finder? Perhaps some of you men have one, or maybe you have the fancy one, the Simrad fish finder. All I know is, hey, I didn't even know they had such a thing. I knew they had a depth finder that would show you what the bottom of the uh, lake looks like, but I didn't know they had fish finders. Isn't that cheating to know where the fish are? (laughs) Well, anyway, I'll leave you to decide if that's cheating or not. But all I'm saying is, what did those things show us? They show us things that are below the surface that we can't see with our eye. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says that the heart is deceitful. Who can understand it? But then God says in that verse 10, I search the heart and mind. So God is able to show us the hidden faults, those things that we've put down under the surface so long that we've convinced ourselves they're not there. There's a third type, and that's presumptuous sins. Presumptuous sins. He says in verse 13, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Wow, what kind are presumptuous sins? I would describe those as defiant. Those are deliberate. They're sins we actually plan it. We're doing it willfully. Do you know the scary thing in the Old Testament days about presumptuous sins? There was no atonement for those. They could never be forgiven. In Numbers 15, verses 28, 29, and 30, those kind of presumptuous sins that are done defiantly, planned out, deliberate, willful, those are called high-handed sins. Isn't that a scary thought to think that if I do a presumptuous sin, it can't be forgiven? Well, that's the way it was back in the Old Testament days. They could not be forgiven. And that's why uh, the, the nation of Israel were instructed, you put people to death for presumptuous sins. But you know what Jesus Christ did for us? Get this, he took all of our sins, all of the sins, the the errors, the unintentional sins. He took the hidden sins. He took the presumptuous sins, all of it. He took the punishment for it upon himself so that no longer do we have to die because of our sin. We can have life if we put our faith and our trust in him. Wow, I am so grateful for the atonement of Jesus Christ. But there's something else that he keeps mentioning in here. And so I thought, wow, the words of my mouth, the words of my mouth, he says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You know, I was thinking that's a type of sin. You ever sin by something you say? I think verbal sins are, well, there's probably no limit to how many there are. 
But let's just list a few, shall we? How about lying? How about boasting? How about gossiping? How about flattering? How about cursing? There's so many different ways that we could sin by our use of the tongue. Sometime, if that's a struggle for you, I encourage you to spend some time in James chapter 3. James 3 will definitely help you to understand how serious it is. If that's not enough, you need to listen to Jesus because Jesus reads us our Miranda rights in Matthew 12, verses 36 and 37. You know what those are, right? Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. (laughs) Well, Jesus says, you better be ready because if you don't put your verbal sins under the blood of Christ, then he says, every idle word that a man speaks, he's going to be held account for. Oh my goodness. If I were you, I confess those verbal sins. Just ask the Lord to forgive you. Turn away from those sins. Ask him to help you not to use your your words in, in a sinful way. But let's go to the fifth type of sin. You know, we've seen the verbal sins. We've seen those sins that are presumptuous and defiant. We've seen hidden sins that we're trying to say, okay, nobody can see this one. Uh, We've seen unintentional uh, sins that are committed out of ignorance. But now let's move to the fifth and the final type, internal sins. He does say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You know, I believe that God someday is going to hold us accountable, not only for the words we say, not only for what our hands do and where our feet go, but I believe also we're going to be held accountable for our attitudes, for those internal thoughts. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, that someday the reason we're not supposed to judge other people is because someday all of those internal things They're going to be disclosed. Here's what it says, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, that all of those things will uh, disclose the purposes of the heart. Wow. God knows what's going on on the inside. That's why Jesus kept pushing back to the heart because he says in Matthew 15, 18, and 19, all of the sins that we see around us in society that hurt people and uh, betray people and all those kind of things, you know where those began? That's right. They began in the heart. Jesus said, really, when you think about it, all of the sins start in the heart. That's why we've got to be very careful that we don't permit internal sins and forget about those. I think the Lord's word gives us a comprehension, an understanding, a discernment of those disguises that sin can take so that we don't overlook any. But then let's say that some are discovered in our life. Wouldn't it be great to know our sins can be cleansed and forgiven? Well, in verse 12, he says, declare me innocent from hidden faults. In verse 13, he says, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. You know, I really believe that what this is trying to tell us is God's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. He's a God of forgiveness, and He can forgive us. But I think staying in the Word of God reminds us of those kinds of things. Let me just read to you uh, three different fragments of three different verses that refer to this. You know, in Matthew 5, 26, it's talking to us about marriage. 
And it says that a husband should treat his wife the way that Christ treats the church. And it calls the church his bride, Christ's bride. Well, listen to what he says in Ephesians 5, 26, that he, that is Christ, might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. There's something about the Bible that it's going to chase sin. It's going to cleanse sin. It's going to help you keep away from sin in your life. No wonder Psalm 119 and verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. The word of God helps your life stay clean, helps your life avoid getting dirty. You know, John 15, 3 says, Now you're clean through the word I have spoken to you. I do believe that God's word cleanses from the defilement of sin. There's something about it that it, if nothing else, it drives me in the direction of Christ, his atonement, so that I know there is a place where my sin can be forgiven. So I love that about God's word. It's going to lead me in the direction of cleansing. Well, let me take you to a fourth thing that the Bible will do. You know, sin can sometimes be very strong in a person's life. A sinful habit, oh my goodness. Well, it says in verse 13, let these sins not have dominion over me. Have you ever had a sin get dominion over you? Maybe a sin like worry, you know, a sin like fear or a sin like pride. I mean, all of these kind of, if we're not uh, aware of it, then we're going to be selfish people and so forth. But you know what? The Bible will correct that. And so what the Bible does, it corrects us away from the dominion of sin. It helps us get out from under the dominion of sin. That's why in 2 Timothy 3.16, it talks about how the scriptures, all scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped, thoroughly equipped for good works. And so God's going to get you ready to be used, to be blessed, to enjoy the best that he has for you. But how he's going to do that is through his word. And when his word is in our lives, it's going to be correcting us. It's going to say, don't let that sin push you around. As a matter of fact, read Romans 6, verses 12 through 14. One of those verses says in Romans 6, 12 through 14, sin will have no dominion over you. You see, that's the truth. But sometimes we don't know the truth. That's why Jesus said that when we know the truth, the truth's going to set us free. And so God's truth, rather than being a downer, man, it's something that will lift your head. It's something that will correct you and say, don't hang around that. Don't let that sin bully you. You know, there was a man that Jesus was talking with one time, and he was a centurion. He was a Roman centurion. He wasn't one of the Jewish uh, men of the community. He was actually a Roman, a Gentile. But in Matthew 8, 9, it talks about how Jesus was so impressed with this man. But see, here's what that Roman officer knew. He understood authority. Those that were under him, they did what he said. And those that he was under, he did what they said those who were on up the chain of command. Well, it's the same way with, with us. 
The Bible reminds us, you shouldn't be bullied by sin, not when Jesus is Lord of your life. Jesus can run that sin right out of your life. You know, the reason he can, you know, help us to have victory over sin is because Ephesians 1.21 says that Jesus is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Man, I love that. Because Jesus is seated in the heavenly places and because Jesus never sinned. And that's why whenever we commit our life to him, it's so incredible what he can do. Well, the scriptures are going to be helping to push us in the direction of Christ. That's why I was thinking, well, let's go ahead and close with that. You know, this last verse says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know how I was saying we can learn so much about God through creation, through the works of God, and we can learn so much about the Lord, so much more than what we learn through creation, through the inspired word of God. But there's one more thing. We can learn so much about God through his son, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's what the scriptures help us. They coach us so that we will stay away from the distractions of sin. You know, sin has a way of pulling us away from God rather than coaching us in the direction to follow God. And so I saw two things in this last part that I want to uh, bring out in closing. One was, you know, I believe in terms of God using his word to coach us uh, through the distractions of sin. I think that the Bible helps us know uh, what is acceptable in God's sight. Here, uh, David is saying, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. So it's not what is acceptable in my sight. It's not what is acceptable in someone else's sight. The idea here is what is acceptable in God's sight? Well, that word acceptable referred to a priest way back in the Old Testament who would examine uh, a sacrifice. Let's say it was a sheep. Maybe it was a goat. Perhaps it was a, a, a calf or maybe it was a bird. I don't know what it was, but what he would do, he would try to examine the sacrifice to make certain that it was without blemish. Hey, that's what the Bible is going to help us do. Say, hey, that's not acceptable in God's sight. So what happens if we have done something uh, that is sinful and that is not acceptable in God's sight? Well, that's another great thing about the scriptures. I believe that they also not only guide us in knowing what is acceptable in God's sight, but get this, it introduces us to the way to be acceptable through God's son. Yes, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, you know who the rock is? You know who the Redeemer is? Well, it's Jesus Christ. And so it's so wonderful that the Father has given us the best coach of all in the Lord Jesus Christ, because here's what he's going to bring. He's going to bring stability, and he's going to introduce us to sufficiency. The stability that we find in Christ could be compared to nothing less than a rock. So stable, so secure. But then the sufficiency of Christ refers to redemption. 
Here, here he is called not only the rock, he's called redeemer. Redeemer, that was a word that was uh, referred to back then of the kinsman redeemer. If you were related to somebody, you could step in if they owed a whole lot of money and they got behind on their debts. And let's say that there was no way they were going to be able to pay it. You know what you could do? If you were a kinsman redeemer, you were in the family, then you can help them out of that difficult situation by paying what they owed. So here's my point. Don't miss this, friend. Jesus Christ paid what we owed because he's a kinsman redeemer. Maybe you're thinking, wait a minute, I'm not a Jew. I'm not related to Jesus in my you know, genealogy or whatever. But you know what? He became a man. Jesus entered the human race. So it doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter where you live across this great big old world. I'm here to tell you the sufficiency of the atonement of Christ paid the debt that we owed because of our sin. That's why he died on the cross. Man, all of this is what the Bible will introduce us to whenever we spend time in it. So I just encourage you, if you want to keep growing in grace, if you even want to understand what grace is, then just spend time in the Word of God. The Word of God will help us to know, hey, that's sin, and I need to go in the other direction. I'm so glad you were with us today as we looked in Psalm 19, verses 11 through 14. Why don't we close in prayer, and let me pray and ask God to bless us. Lord, thank you so much that your word, it instructs us. Your word corrects us. Your word rebukes us sometimes, but your word always points us in the direction of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like we saw today, he's our rock. He's our redeemer. I thought it was so interesting how David said, he's my rock. He's my redeemer. Lord, if there's anybody listening and they don't know you, as their rock, as their redeemer. I pray today they'd personalize it and ask Jesus to save them. Thank you, Lord, so much for the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, friend, you keep growing in grace and I'll see you next time. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.